Hey everybody, it is Mike Burbiglia. We are back with a new episode of Working It Out. Can you believe it? We are uh, we are very excited. We got a great guest on today. I got my big fall tour coming at you. Uh, Chicago, we just added a show in Boston on that Thursday night. We added one in Milwaukee, uh, Madison, one in Denver. Uh, all these shows require proof of vaccination. We're doing this as safely as we know how. Um, and uh, and thanks, everybody, who listened last week to the Jim Gaffigan episode. A lot of new listeners. We're glad you're here. If you like the show, listen to all the back episodes. Listen to Sarah Silverman and Bill Hader and John Mulaney. There's so many fun episodes. And uh, throw us some stars on Apple Podcasts, a little user review to tell us if you enjoy the show because it boosts morale around the working it out water cooler. Today's guest is an actor and comedian who is the star of the ABC sitcom Fresh Off the Boat. He was on The Office. He was on Veep. He's in the Marvel Universe. He co-wrote and starred in a film that I love on Netflix with Ali Wong called Always Be My Maybe. And, of course, uh, he and I met years ago as part of a large cast of Trainwreck, the film by Judd Apatow, which is where we begin today. Enjoy my chat with Randall Park. Randall, it's funny because we uh, we've had a lot of train wreck cast and, and crew on the show this summer. We had Judd Apatow, we had Bill Hader, Brie Larson, you, me. Uh, I think that's five of us from that movie. I mean, there were like forty people, uh, like well known people in that movie. So it was a real. Uh, that's a great comedy. It's funny because it's like. That was sort of a romantic comedy of sorts. Your movie, yeah. uh, which I loved, Always Be My Maybe, which you and Ali Wong co-wrote and yeah. produced, uh, yeah. was on Netflix, and is so funny. And I almost, one of the things I enjoyed so much about it is there's a scene, I won't give away what happens in the scene, but there's a Keanu Reeves There's a group of Keanu Reeves scenes, but there's one in particular that's so funny that I don't, honestly, I don't remember laughing so hard watching a movie (laughs) scene in like years. Yeah. Like, that's nice to hear. That's incredible. Uh, That's great. It's like, well, so here's what you, here's one of the things you and I have in common. We have a bunch of things in common, which we'll get into. One of the things is, I asked Keanu Reeves to be in my movie Don't Think Twice because I wrote him into the script similar to similar to the way you wrote him into your script, except yeah. he didn't even take the phone call. Like, we couldn't get past, <laughs> we couldn't get his agent to take our phone call. Oh, really? And you got him. You wrote him into the movie <laughs> and you got him in the movie and it's like vintage, it's classic Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of all worked out perfectly, it, you know, and I'm sure, you know, it, it rarely works out like that when people are trying to get him because he's probably working all the time. And uh, you, I don't know. You have a line in the movie that about celebrities, which made me laugh really hard, which is your, you know, your romantic opposite is Ali Wong. Mm-hmm. And you're you're trying to convince her sort of, that she sh- <laughs> that that she w- she shouldn't want to date celebrities, and you go first of all, mm-hmm. like celebrities are all insane. One time I saw Glenn Close; she ordered a <laughs> pineapple sandwich, <laughs> and I love that somehow I I agree with you that that would make you insane. Right. One time I saw Glenn Close; she ordered a pineapple sandwich. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Was that yeah, based? Is yeah. that ba- you wrote that you co-wrote the movie? Was that based on like someone seeing Glenn Close eat a pineapple sandwich? Uh, no, no, that was. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I, I, you know, I think we were. I, I think that was actually Nanachka Khan, the, our director, who's brilliant, uh, who who uh, pitched that joke to us, and we were like, "Yes, that's it." That's, that's so it. funny. Uh, <laughs> I was I, I was listening to an interview where you were talking about when you went to college and you sort of found your people, like your theater sort of community mm-hmm. and how you were like the first, I think you said the first time you performed in front of an, a live audience, you just felt like you were like uh, like floating. 
And I and I, yeah. I, I related to that so much. I felt I had the same experience in college where I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, well, how come I haven't been doing this my whole life? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I, growing up, uh, I was ex- extremely shy, you know, uh, very shy. But amongst my friends, I was uh, pretty out there, you know, and 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 uh, I'd make them laugh. And but outside of that circle, I was I was very quiet and 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 studious, and you know, and uh, but I felt like once I was in college and I found this this group of friends, I felt like and we and we actually got to be fun and funny and boisterous and absurd like to the world or at least sure. to the folks in that theater it felt like oh this is like i get to be that not just around my friends i yeah. could be that around everybody and that was like so it just unlocked so much for me and and uh yeah i remember i remember i felt like i was floating out of that theater after that show that's a really funny way of looking at it is like it's like before you're if you're if you become an actor or a performer or a live performer it's like you're able to do in public what you previously were doing in private yeah yeah well it's funny because I was listening to you in an interview years ago where you were talking about how you you did an, a theater exercise once where you stepped up on stage and people, you know, if it's a handsome person, they, people go like, "What? Say the first thing you think of." It's like handsome, oh, yeah, handsome yeah. tall, cool, awesome, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you got up and it was like it was like a scientist, nerd, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you just felt yeah. like it was like the stereotypes of what someone would sort of perceive you as, and you wanted you sort of strive to be like, no, 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 I want to be uh, cast as something else and things. But that's, to me, when I saw yeah. Always Be My Maybe, it felt like maybe you would achieve that. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, that, that when that happened, it was actually, it was actually during a class. Like, uh, it was one of the... It was one of the classes in LA that you had to take if you were, you know, about to start acting. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. everyone took this class yeah, yeah. from this teacher, and uh, so I, this class had been built up as the the, the this was going to be a game changer. Yeah, for yeah. Me, you know, and it was a, a in order to take the class, you had to start out at this weekend intensive, which was, uh, you know, just you, like the weekend two days, full days, and, and by the end of that full day, they do this exercise where you, yeah, you, you, you stand up, you turn around, and everyone honestly just say <laughs> yeah. what they think, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I had come from this theater company in college where we got, I got to play everything and be right, everything, right. And, you know, and, uh, and be the lead, be the sidekick, be the, you know, comic relief, be the, you know, yeah. uh, and, and then here, uh, I stand up on the stage, turn around and it's just all these stereotypes and offensive things. And, and they were just being honest. They were doing the exercise, sure. you know, but it was a real kind of like, oh my God, like, I, I I mean I knew what I was getting into in terms yeah. of the industry, but I but to to see peers, people who I like, my friends, you know, saying all these things, it was really disheartening and and uh, it bummed me out. Bummed it's me out. so strange. It's like I it, it there's so many things that are so disheartening currently, but then one yeah. of the things that is heartening, like I was talking to Sam Jay on this podcast about how. There is increasing representation uh, yeah. by black and Asian people and uh, and all types of people in movies and TV right now. And yeah. ultimately, it's going to lead to better movies and better TV shows and yeah. things that actually, uh, d- I think, ultimately, like, dig deeper and, and go further into the human experience. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, right now it's uh, uh, it's definitely uh, yeah. You could feel feel the shift. I've never felt a shift like this ever. You know, in yeah. my career, uh, uh, folks are. I think I think folks are are recognizing not just the storytelling opportunities, but even the the business opportunity. Sure. You know that comes with telling these stories. You know, and um, so yeah, hopefully hopefully it gets to a place where. 
just we could see a, the gamut of perspectives within a group, you know? I mean, because, yes. you know, we're all, every group is just so different, you know, within. And uh, uh, I think I think we're getting there, but, you know, I, I also have no faith, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course, of course. No, I mean, yeah. it, could, it could go away in five minutes. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that, about you that I've always admired as an actor, because you're in so many things, uh, is, uh, you know, whether it's Veep or the Marvel films it's, uh, or Trainwreck or, or Fresh Off the Boat, is you really have a very, I would almost describe it as a signature Randall Park subtlety to your performances. And I'm curious, mm. like, is that based on, is, and that's the kind of acting that I'm drawn to. Like, I, I find, I, I want to zero in on when actors are, are, are playing stuff really in a subtle way is that yeah. based on actors who you admired growing up um I, I i think i don't know if it's based on that but it definitely is a uh you know i i love i you know i i, I love folks like jack lemon you yeah. know yeah uh, I love Steve Carell. Oh, yeah. There's like certain actors that I just uh, am naturally drawn to, and I think that they they have a they tend to have a an everyman quality about them. But there, there's a real kind of I don't know. I think a sadness to them. You know, that, <laughs> sure, that's <laughs> that hilarious. I just like that I really uh, uh, identify with, and uh, I'm drawn to, and and I find it really funny uh uh but also i think it it just it is a natural kind of uh place for me to come from you know it's funny you should say sadness because <laughs> sometimes people sometimes people really lock into my solo shows and sometimes they do yeah. they do not and when yeah. they do not the 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 standard thing they say is it's too sad. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that that's what I love about your work. I mean, I'm drawn to that. And I feel that from your work, too. There's definitely, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like, uh, uh, there's definitely a sadness there, you know? But and, to me, and maybe to you, based on what you're saying, is like, to me, that's part of the spectrum of being alive. And if you're yes, if you're repressing yes. that, if you're just all laughs, all energy, all whatever, you're yeah. actually not expressing the range of human emotion. You're just doing a sort of a two-dimensional caricature. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Uh, but I feel like the sadness is the one that uh, I think if the, if someone if people are going to leave one th aspect out, I feel like it, it's often sadness. Oh, that's interesting. Know? Why do you think that is? Yeah, because it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, we we love and I love seeing uh, like strength on stage or on TV. You know, uh, I think our culture is very like much. Uh, uh, about kind of strength and mm -hmm. sharpness and being empowered. And I think all that is like really great, but, you know, we're also kind of, you know, pathetic and, sure. and sad. And, you know, and I think that that's, that's, for me, that's like, that's the thing that, yeah, we all are, regardless of if we, we lead with that or not, you know. Stepping away from my conversation with Randall Park to send some love to my favorite sparkling water, Spindrift, sparkling water. And I don't throw that around. There's a lot of sparkling waters out there. And uh, I don't know. I love it. It's, it's, uh, this, I read up on it. It's the first sparkling water made with real squeezed fruit. And that's it. Maybe that's why I like it. There's nothing artificial, no natural flavors, added sugars or artificial sweeteners. There's 11 real fruit varieties. My jam is a raspberry lime. That's the one I drink a whole ton of, but I, I like pretty much all of them. I, I think I like 10 out of 11. I'm not going to say which one I don't like. It's a healthy alternative to soda. I found it to be great. You can go to drinkspindrift.com and enter code Burbigs. You get 25% off your first order. That's an amazing deal. Drinkspindrift.com, enter code Burbigs. And now back to the show. 
So this is this thing called, we do called the slow round, and it's basically just like memories from childhood and things like that. Do you remember a smell from childhood, either like really good or really bad smell? Um, I, I, yeah, uh, I, re- I distinctly remember, and it's a, it's a, uh, it's a good smell, but that brings about mixed feelings. And it, <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> I like this answer already. <laughs> it's the, I remember the, the, the smell of my public school, elementary school cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it being, everything being like laced with this strong kind of maple syrupy uh, <laughs> scent. No matter what they were making, it was like they put a little bit of maple syrup in everything. <laughs> Government maple syrup. That's you know. a riot. Yeah. Why do you have mixed feelings about that? Uh, I think because I associated, especially with the beginning of the school years, uh, because that's when you know you you're, you're you know throughout the summer you're at home and and uh, you know out and about with your friends and your fan and then all of a sudden you have to go back to school oh. and uh, and I hated the beginning of school. Oh my gosh! Like, yes. What like I would the night before I would cry. Oh, this is no. like what and and this is like well into middle school. Wow! I was like for some reason it was very like traumatizing for me to have to go back to school. Wow. And, uh, and I remember like literally screaming and crying oh while my, my mom was like dragging me into school, you know, and I'd be holding onto her leg and, you know, oh and I remember telling the teacher, like every year, the first few days telling her, the teacher that I felt sick and they'd take me to the <laughs> nurse's gosh. office. And it was my way of hoping that they'd call my parents so that they could take me back home, you yeah. know? Yeah. Did you, do you have a, do you feel like you have a skill that no one knows about? I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a skill, but it's something that I think a lot of people don't know about me is I collect turtle figurines. <laughs> Is that a skill? I'm going to count it. We're going to count it. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Turtle yeah, figures, my, first of all, my daughter would love this. My daughter's six and, and is obsessed with all kinds of animal and, uh, yeah. dino, and dinosaur and all things like fish, birds, dinosaurs, turtles, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I collect turtle figurines. How'd that I collect- start? The turtle figurines. Uh, well, I I love turtles. Well, I think turtles are like amazing. Well, turtles. My daughter and I were talking about this the other day. The oldest living uh, animal in the world, as far as I understand it, is this 189 year old turtle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is insane. If you yeah. think about it. I think his name's Jonathan the turtle. Oh, wow. And in relation yeah. to the new show I'm developing, which is called The Old Man in the Pool, and it's all about uh, it's all about mortality and aging and all this stuff, I actually been thinking about all these animals that have these long lifespans. But turtles turtles are fascinating. They have these insane lifespans. I, I mean, I think it, I mean, I don't know scientifically anything, but I, 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 my guess is it has to do with their pace. Yeah. You know, they do things at their own pace. Yeah, yeah. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care, you know. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to take an hour to chew a piece of, you know, grass yeah. or whatever it is. They, yeah. You know, like, and, 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 and then they'll walk slowly. It's like they do things at their own slow pace. Yeah. They... They have housing built in. <laughs> they have housing, sure. You know, they have housing. They've got an apartment. Uh, they've got an apartment. They always have an apartment, yeah, yeah. a place to sleep in. Yeah. You know, and they can, and they could like literally, physically hide. Yeah, you know, within themselves, which is like, and just get away from the world. You know, which is, I think, all those the combination of those three things. It's it it. Yeah, you would live longer, I would think. Do you think that's why you collect the figurines? Because you're interested in these sort of like fascinating beings? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Also, like in Korean culture, turtles are uh, 
they're, they're good luck in a lot of ways, and they and they represent like longevity oh, and a good life. Interesting, and a good life. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Because you do so many things. You produce. You act. You write. It's like if you were going to plan your next thirty years, like what would your career look like? Oh gosh, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know. But I. I think. I in an ideal world, it would be where where everything I do is fun. Yeah, just everything is fun. Yeah, uh, uh, I never feel like it's not fun. Yeah, and uh, so I, I and I guess that would mean like working a lot with friends. Yeah, and people who I like. Yeah, and and uh, uh, and also people who I, I maybe not know, but they're just lovely. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and to 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 really be completely detached from the outcome to 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 tr- really just be about the process yeah. and and as soon as the process is done let it go and uh and not think you know not think about anything you know in terms of how it's received how you know how Do you it, feel like you've gotten closer to that cuz you and I are about the same age like do you think in middle age you've come closer to that for sure, for sure. I mean, do you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, things that I, it's funny, like I actually wrote this down as one of the things that it's not even a joke, but I wrote it down because I was like, I'm a, maybe I'll write an essay about this for my next book or something, but I wrote this thing down this week, which is, uh, it's like I used to be jealous of other writers or comedians, like this person's getting more awards or attention. Yeah. At a certain point, I realized that creativity is just like running a marathon. Mm. And I couldn't name for you a single person in history who has won a marathon, but I could tell you all of my friends who have run a marathon. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I sometimes I don't know if you have yeah. this. Sometimes I just write stuff down and I go, I don't know what this is, but it's just like how I feel <laughs> yeah. about something. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, it's true. That that that's the goal, right? I mean, to 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 just not I mean, really I think it's about being present because yeah. when you're present, all that other stuff uh doesn't matter, you know, or it's not it's you're not even thinking about it because you are right there. You know, but even as an actor, like my compliment to you as an actor is that you're highly present, and like that doesn't come. People don't just have that. Like you have to, like land at that. And like, was there anything along the way where you like arrived at or learned to become so present in your work? I think it evolved as I evolved as a person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't think there was a single kind of breakthrough. But may- maybe maybe comedy-wise, there was... Because I mostly do c- comedic stuff. Yeah. And uh, and I think there was definitely a point where I... Where, where before I worried about the laughs that this would get or that would get. Yeah. You know? And then after that, I realized... It, it it's it's actually probably better for me to to not go for the laugh at all and just kind of be be in the moment you know and yeah. uh and if i could be in the mo and and i i almost kind of tricked myself into thinking that if i can be in the moment fully and not get the laugh yeah then i've done my job you know like uh like it's so it's so good yeah just don't think about the laugh you know uh uh, John Mulaney and I talked about that, I think on this podcast, is, and we definitely talk about it in life, is that the moment you start th- imagining a laugh when you're rehearsing something, yeah. like there will be no laugh. There'll be no, yeah, you're not, you're not in it, you know? Yeah. You're not, you're not present. You, you're, 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 you're thinking outside of the moment, you know? So yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it really hit home during the pandemic, like back in October, I had never gotten panic attacks before. Yeah. But but uh in the in the middle of October I got hit with these panic the series of panic attacks. Yeah. And it was so jarring to me, you know. And uh and I realized how much uh, you know, I, I started I started working with these specialists because it was so jarring for 2 weeks I didn't sleep. 
like My at all because they would happen at night. And, uh, uh, and throughout you just the day. feel like you, things were closing in on you kind of thing. Yeah. And it was weird because my, like my physically had to keep moving. I couldn't stay still. I couldn't sit oh or lay gosh. down. I, I, I'd have yeah. to pop right back up and it would be throughout the night. So, so I didn't sleep. Uh, and by the end, you know, by the time I kind of settled, I, I was so jarred and shaken by it that I had to kind of work really hard at rehabilitating myself. And, um, and I learned a lot about like presence and and meditation and and catastrophic thinking and and how all that yeah. stuff kind of uh, uh, it just makes for bad life, you know. And and I'm and yeah. I realize that the same goes for for really every creative endeavor, you know. It's like you don't want to bring any of that stuff to the to the process because yeah, it's it's like it's going to take away from from the joy of it. Uh, of doing, but also from the work, I think. Stepping away from our conversation with Randall Park to send a shout out to Bombas Socks. So Bombas is uh, it's just a company I love. They have great socks. They're super comfortable. It's the only socks I wear. And as you know, I'm a very famous sock wearer. You're, I'm the kind of person you go, Mike Birbiglia, I want to know what kind of socks he wears because he clearly seems very comfortable and he's got that soft cadence on stage with the way he speaks. What are his socks? So I, I, uh, I, I wear Bombas, partly because they give a pair of socks to a homeless shelter for every pair that they sell. Also, their performance socks have amazing uh, innovations. They have a special Hextech performance technology. They have a special moisture-wicking yarn and temperature-regulating vents that allow cool air to flow in and prevent overheating. You can go to bombas.com slash today and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash for 20% off. Give it a shot. I, I love those socks. All right, back to the show. Do you have a memory from childhood that's sort of on a loop, but it's not even a story per se? It's just a thing that hits you uh, every once in a while. Yeah. Um, I remember my dad, he, had a, he drove a Buick. A super long Buick, <laughs> like re it was really long. We called it the boat, and okay. it was so long and so impractical. And uh, 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 I mean, it was a pimp car, right, you know. Right, right. And uh, and I remember laying, you know, on, there's the back seat, and then there's the upper part that that meets the wind, and oh, it's almost sure. like a little shelf. Sure, yeah, yeah, and that's where like the speakers were. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, and I remember laying on that shelf oh my with my face kind of up against the window. Wow. And just looking at the sky. I mean, it's completely illegal now. Right. But back no then, one would you do could that do with that. a kid now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I remember just wedging myself into that and uh, just throughout, you know, the whole ride, just looking out the window. Uh, and that that's distinct in my head. I have the same thing with, I, my mom used to take me on errands and I would be in the way back of the station wagon and it would just be my area. And it would just be, I'm yeah. looking out the window, just staring at people in the other cars. Yeah, I, yeah. Maybe, it's, maybe yeah. the reason that we we go to those memories is that it's like a part of childhood that we're like in control of or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I remember also like the bad things. Like, yeah, I remember being at a, being at a, we were in, my mom and I were in this Mexican restaurant. We were picking up food. And I remember this guy hitting on my mom. Oh my gosh. And uh, my mom was like, I'm married. Oh my uh, gosh. And the guy like cursing her out. Oh gosh, no. And I remember, I, I was a little kid, but I remember being so angry. Oh. Like so angry and wanting to kill this guy. Oh my gosh, how, how old yeah. were you, like eight or nine years old? Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Wow. And, uh, uh, and my mom rushing us out of there as this guy was like yelling at her and, and saying these racist oh, things. Oh and, gosh. Uh, yeah, and, uh, 
uh, I just remember going into the car and fantasizing yeah. uh, of, you know, me like, crashing through the restaurant window wow. and, you know, pummeling the guy as a nine-year-old, you know. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, yeah. And I think about that. For some reason, I think about that moment a lot. I had a similar one. It was me, my mom driving me and my friends, Michael Cavanaugh and his brother, Brian Cavanaugh, home from, uh, like, nursery school at the YMCA in Worcester. <laughs> And yeah. the car, and we ran out of gas, which I yeah. to this day I think about running out of gas all the time oh, when okay. I'm driving because yeah, yeah. yeah, we ran out yeah. of gas. And we're on the highway, and this guy come pulls over and he offers to help, and we're you know we're up against it. We don't know what to do. And he goes, "We'll, yeah. we'll he goes he goes, I'll drive you to my mom." I'll drive you over to that gas station over there. We'll leave the kids here. And she goes, no. <laughs> yeah. She goes, we're not going to leave the kids uh, yeah. here on the highway. And, <laughs> and then he got mad and was like, oh, I got to drive the kids. You know, so we drive. We oh, all, wait, wait. So we he, all got so you in, get the, in car. the car. We got in his car. Oh, yeah, yeah. This just came yeah. back to me because of your memory. The, we get in his car and we and we and he's furious and he's really he's furious, but he's, he's driving. That's he's driving us and, he, and he's he's cranking. He's like he's like he's yelling at us kids like 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 don't touch those buttons, things like that. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Clearly, like did not bargain for this trip with kids, and I don't know what his intentions were, but I I, I would venture to guess they weren't so good. Yeah, yeah. And I've yeah, never, never yeah. forgotten that memory. I mean, there's something about people being mean, like grown-ups oh, being mean that sticks totally with you so hard. Sticks with you. You never let that go. Yeah. I mean, you're young and impressionable. And and I remember being this is another one that sticks with me. I remember there was a liquor store near where I grew up, and I was in the liquor store. We were buying candy. It was me and my friends looking at candy and uh and I had a pocket full of change. Yeah. And I dumped the change out on the counter. Yeah. And uh, these guys were in there, uh, you know, and they were like, they were, they were like a little older than teenagers, but they were, you know, definitely rough guys. And one of them starts taking the, my change. Yeah. Like just, just taking oh from, the, from the little pile, just taking it. Oh my gosh. And uh, I remember, he, and, I remember being so scared, like of doing or saying anything, because this guy was like big and scary. Wow! And, and and I remember just like offering him like more of my change. Oh I was my like, God. <laughs> "What else are you gonna do?" <laughs> yeah, yes, I was yes, like, and are you yes, good? And you need more? Me. You, you want to? <laughs> I got a quarter here if you want. I remember doing that, and uh, <laughs> and I, but I remember like afterwards feeling so ashamed with myself yeah. that I like, that I like aided him in this small, in this, you know, small time robbery of yeah. my, like, you know, <laughs> that I was like, I, that I, and I was a kid, if I stood up for myself, you know, he would have, nothing would have happened, yeah. you know, uh, but I do remember wishing, you know, a lot of, a lot of my childhood was like, fantasizing after the fact of yeah, you doing sure. the, like, the cool well, thing, you know? I think that's a majority of what sort of autobiographical stand-up comedy writing is, right. is, is like, what if, what if I had done this? What would that be like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. this is what happened. That's sort of the setup. And then what if I did this? That's sort of the punchline. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a joke that's in the sort of uh, that childhood realm, which is when I was five, I was standing on top of a high chair in my kitchen and I fell over and landed on my head and I started crying and crying. And then I didn't go to the hospital because I seemed okay. And then later that night, my mom is putting me to bed and she's scratching my hair. A lot of times she's like scratch my hair or yeah. rub my back before bed. And she feels a hole in my head. 
and she looks at her hand and it's like a it's like a horror movie. It's like her it's like bloody like a horror movie. Yeah. So she she gets my dad. We drive to the emergency room. They put like 10 or 15 stitches in the back of my head. Yeah. Anyway, I became a comedian. And uh <laughs> because oftentimes people ask me, why do you think you're a comedian? And that's my new answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> a lot of times like a lot of times with jokes, it's like it's like taking the stuff like from the slow round and it's like these memories and then being like, Well, what would the punchline be for that? Yeah. Whenever I'd hurt myself as a kid or get into an accident, I would you know, tell, go to my parents and my dad would get so mad. Oh. He would get so mad because he, because he, and it's weird and I understand it now as an adult. I mean, he loved me and he would, he'd just be so mad that I'd be so dumb to have, to have done this really dumb thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. And, but he would like get so angry that it was like the getting like yelled at by him for getting hurt was like worse than getting hurt. Yes, you know? yes. Yeah, like I remember I was playing in the jungle gym at elementary school and I I tried to like grab a bar and I fell and I broke my arm and 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 it was just twisted in the weirdest way. Yeah. And I, my first thought was like, how do I hide this? Oh my you know? gosh, yes. Because <laughs> I don't want my dad to like, to, uh, to scream at me when I tell him like how this happened, you know? That is such a great premise for a joke, I think, which is like, it's like, what's worse, getting hurt as a kid or telling your parents you got hurt as a kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I relate to that so much. Yeah, yeah. Because I relate to it even as a dad. Like I, the only time I yell ever, at my daughter is when she does something that puts her in danger. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like, don't touch that lead socket! <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't run yeah. near the pool! You know, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's how, I mean, that's, I think that's uh, how it's supposed to work, right? Because so. you're supposed to scare them yes. into not going near the socket again, right? I, it's I like you so. want to, so that every time they go near a socket, they'll have a little bit of a, Yes. Memory of, of that scream. Stepping away from my conversation with Randall Park to send a shout out to uh, my good friends at Helix Mattress. Uh, Helix Mattresses, uh, I've been sleeping on for about a year. I've, I've, I got turned on to them from, you know, podcasts like this and then. I think it's the most comfortable mattress I've ever slept on, and so now I'm recommending it to you. And I think I have the credentials to recommend mattresses because I uh, have a serious sleep disorder. I jumped through a second-story window once. <laughs> if you don't know that, listen to Sleepwalk With Me, the album, uh, on Spotify, and then you'll go, oh, wow, I, wow, I should I should take his recommendation. Uh, go to helix.com slash burbigs. Take the two-minute sleep quiz. You'll get a customized mattress. you get the best sleep of your life. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our Working It Out listeners. We did it. We did it, listeners, at helixsleep.com slash burbigs. And now back to the show. Actually, that reminds me of this other bit I was writing the other day, which is, um, did you ever have Hummel figurines as a kid? Was that a thing? No, I just learned what they are. Hummel figurines, if people don't know, is like, I don't know. It's like the, it's like a type of sort of, how do you describe it? It's like a type of figurine, like a collectible figurine, the kind of thing that you'd see maybe on an infomercial or something. It's like kind of like a porcelain kind of yes. smiley, like, yeah. Yeah. And so I wrote, um, I used to walk to school every day, to St. Mary's School, and I would walk by this place called the Shropshire Shop. 
and they sold humble these humble figurines, like these fancy glass figurines. Yeah. And my parents once bought one of them, and it was a it was this little clown that was hol- a glass clown holding a little glass balloon held yeah. together delicately with a wire. And then one of us idiot kids, <laughs> we just popped the balloon. <laughs> and it's like, talk about knocking down the value. Like if you took that to the Antiques Roadshow, they'd be like, well, it's got some scuffing here by the base. That knocks you down 5%. And then we'll take off about 92% from the popped balloon. So it's worth about 42 cents. And you're like, I paid $140 for it. And they're like, sounds like you shouldn't have had children. <laughs> <laughs> and then like my con- my conclusion for it is I think the people who are truly unhappy in life are people who want to have children but they also want to have Hummel figurines. <laughs> right. Because because I'm going to venture to to say that the value to us kids popping the balloon was more than the enjoyment mm. of my parents looking at the Hummel figure. <laughs> right. But that that True. was this that was this new bit that True. I was writing because it was like this thing where I'm like thinking about these Hummel figurines and I'm like, what's the joke exactly? But I think right. it's that like who gives a shit about these fancy things? <laughs> right. It just doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> like of all the things, of all the things that my wife and I do wrong as parents, which I'm sure, you know, just count them up. You know, I'm sure we're doing everything yeah. wrong and we're going to find out when our daughter's a teenager. But the one <laughs> thing that I think that we don't do wrong is if she breaks something, we do not care. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think the Hummel figurine, it's, uh, I feel like they are made to, they're, they're, they're designed to give you a, uh, the feeling of sentimental value, whether they're sentimental value or not, right? They're kind of, there's a a whimsy to them. Yeah, 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 sure, uh, sure. You know, so like, if you get it, you almost you're you're tricked into thinking that this was a this is a part of your life, you know. That is exactly right. Uh, but really, it's it's uh, you know, it's just it's some just glass. A, a glass, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not it's not so special. Uh, yeah, and it, I mean, it's also generally like white kids, right? Yeah. These Hummels. Oh, that's true. M- made in China. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep. That's right. So there's something like weird about that. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's a. Uh, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 far from sentimental. Is my point. It's you right. Know, they're completely manufactured. This is our uh, way of learning about Chinese culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's Looking right. at these little white clowns, <laughs> right. and then breaking the the uh, right. I mean, this this coming from a guy who collects turtle figurines. Oh my god, and, that's hilarious! <laughs> yeah, which are also like they're not. You know, they represent longevity to my this fantasy version of what my heritage is but that's interesting i'm sure like you go to the average person in korea and they'd be like yeah it's a it's a turtle it's like just a wooden turtle it's not a big deal you know well it's funny i haven't and i have an animal joke that i jotted down this week which is like i feel like People, like we all use like animal analogies all the time, like wake up sheeple or like my friend will be like, try your jokes out on me. I'll be your guinea pig. But I would guess that these animals are pretty sick of being compared to humans. And, (laughs) And I think guinea pigs are pretty annoyed that they didn't actually volunteer. (laughs) they're like i was born into torture and hell in the occasional (laughs) kindergarten classroom but sure use me for your fun analogy (laughs) that's right i always feel that way about animals i'm just like we fetishize the animals to this extent but it's like meanwhile i mean the turtle that you talk about of course we love turtles but like 
we're like destroying the environment around these turtles. Yes, that's right. That's right. I mean, we're number. We're the number one predator for for turtles. For, uh, yeah. I don't think they. I'm pretty sure they don't have predators. Those big turtles. I. I, I mean, who's eating a house, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> who's eating it's a, a house. turtle shell house? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I was. Uh, we went to. We went to a uh, uh, big bear. During oh, the that's pandemic. nice. And, yeah, and it was really nice. He stayed in a cabin, and um, in in the back of the cabin was this just vast, just it was all nature. It was all nature, yeah. and it was so beautiful. And uh, and I was walking with my daughter, and there was like snow patches, and she was playing in the snow patches, and I'm like, this is like, this is it's so therapeutic and yeah. it's so uh it's so you know um i i feel like it just brought me back to like how what the world should feel like it should yeah. feel like that. yeah and then uh and then by this like log i was about to sit on a log and i look over at the log and there's like a condom uh oh my God, like a course. used condom like right, yes yes right there by the log and i was it just ruined everything you that's know, the metaphor. That's the metaphor for the whole thing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's the metaphor for the whole thing is we're all in this picturesque, we're living in this picturesque landscape, and the bottom right corner of the landscape is a used <laughs> yeah. condom. A used condom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. How old are you? Do you have one kid or more? I have one kid, yeah. Yeah. The um, my daughter, did does does your daughter uh tell jokes? No, no, she doesn't know any jokes. So my daughter Una recently told me the classic kids joke, which is why why was six afraid of seven? Which is of course because seven, eight, nine, classic. Yeah. And by the way, the joke is it's a good joke. Yeah, yeah, it's a good joke. Like you know, people make fun of the kids jokes. Whoever wrote that joke is is a good joke writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's a solid yeah. piece of writing. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, but I, but it's. It's also sad because seven probably will eat nine. I mean, I get that the humor is that the number eight and the word eight are homonyms, but seriously, seven is a murderer. I've been watching seven for years. He plays it cool. We think he's safe because he rhymes with heaven. He tries to spread the rumor that he's lucky. Who would start a rumor about themselves that they're lucky? I'll tell you who. Someone who's about to murder fucking nine. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like me just riffing on my daughter's school joke. Just take those uh, innocent uh, jokes and 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 just make them dark. And the numbers. This is my other tag. The number seven is a cult leader who's about to murder nine, and all of us are just sitting here watching it happen. Good. I like that. That's great. All right, I got one last joke, That's which great. is uh, okay. Okay. Feel, it seems like we're in an, we, we have an animal theme today, so yeah. I feel like this is a good way to close it out. I was at Petco buying uh, food for my cat, and I um, I put my credit card into the machine, and it didn't work. Cashier goes, "You have to answer the question," and I look at the screen, and it says, "Do you want to help a pet in need?" And I thought. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and then I clicked no. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's the whole joke. Uh, I, do you feel bad? Because I, 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 that happens all the time. Constantly. Constantly. I feel horrible clicking no, and then I'll, I'll click yes sometimes. And then after I click yes, I'll walk away thinking, why did I click yes? I don't know where that money's going to. I don't know. No. You know. I know. Where's the accountability yeah. here? Yeah. Am I supposed yeah. to trust Petco? <laughs> <laughs> so the final thing we do on the show is uh, working it out for a cause. And we basically, if the guest has a nonprofit that they contribute to or, or enjoy working with, I contribute to them. We link to them in the show notes. Is there anyone uh, that you want to send a shout out to? Yeah, there's a there is a uh, uh, a group that I work with. They're called Culture City, with a K. Okay, Culture City, and um, they're a great organization. And uh, so my daughter, who we we mentioned earlier, she's on the autism spectrum. 
which is why she didn't tell jokes. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> right, right. But she, uh, she's her verbal communication is very limited, and she has, she has a uh, uh, high sensory kind of sensitivities. You mm-hmm. know, especially if like a, if we go to like a basketball game and and it's super loud, it's like she'll have to cover her ears. You mm, know, or if we're walking yeah. down the street and and uh, a really loud motorcycle goes by, she'll like freak out and cover her ears. And this organization, Culture City, they basically work towards making the world more accepting and accessible for people with these what they call invisible disabilities. Mm-hmm. So they they work really hard at like in certain venues, like like arenas, sports arenas, and they'll they'll create rooms that people with sensory needs can go to if they need wow. a break, and uh, not just a, a sports or concert venues, but, you know, any, any public venue they, sure. they they come and they also train the staff. And so I, I, I've been working with them and they've been just, uh, just really great. That's, that sounds like a great organization. I'm really glad to know about them and I'm going to contribute yeah. to them and I'm going to link to them in the show notes. And so more people can know about them, contribute themselves. Awesome. I appreciate that. Well, Randall, this has been uh, a, such a great time. I'm so glad that we got to know each other, we kick around some jokes, and I can't wait. Yeah. To, I just can't wait to see what you do next. Your next movies, your next live show. Oh, thank you, thank you. That was fun. Well, thanks a lot, Randall. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no. That's gonna do it for another episode of Working It Out. I love that Randall Park. I, I hope that uh, he and I will be able to work on something someday, cause. He is just a fun, fun person to talk to, and he's so talented. And I couldn't recommend more highly his movie on Netflix with Ali Wong, Always Be My Maybe. Our producers of Working It Out are Peter Salamone, along with Joseph Berbiglia and myself, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, associate producer Mabel Lewis, special thanks to my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers. They have an amazing new album out right now. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Our book, the new one, is in your local bookstore, and it's coming out on paperback in the first week in September. Get yourself a paperback. A paperback, you, you know, it's it's less expensive. You can just write in the margins. You can you can you can jot down your own ideas. <laughs> the uh, we're very proud of the book and we appreciate everybody uh, you know reaching out to us on social media. Jen is at uh, J Hope Stein at J Hope Stein on Instagram. I'm at at Burbigs, and we appreciate all of the Amazon and Goodreads reviews of our book. Uh, we're very proud of it. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created this radio fort of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We're working it out. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>